Yes, welcome back to the Righteous Sinner podcast. Yeah, we're in the month of February, you know, they call this Black History Month. Well, I'm not here to debate the merits of Black History Month. I'm just here to propose, ask a few questions. Black people, why do you feel like you're cursed from or by the transgression of your ancestors? Why do you allow the church to keep telling you to pray for your past sins of your ancestors? Does white people need to pray for the transgression and the sins of their ancestors? Do you believe in ancestral sins? Do you believe in generational sins, right? And, and what role does a church play in indoctrinating the, the Negroes in accepting a subservient lifestyle, a subservient life in this diaspora, unhurt, currently, wherever the black man find himself, what role does the church or religion play in keeping him docile, constantly have him in a state of forgiveness and, and prayer? And how do we get out of this? And if the black man sees himself as the victim of the generational Curse, how does he break the cycle? And why do you, black man, black woman, black children, feel like you are responsible for what they did to you? Why do you feel the need to apologize for what they did to you? So these questions I'm going to propose in this video. And I'm also going to play a clip that I found. And there are similar questions being proposed and at the end of that clip i'll come back and finish it up um yeah righteous sinner once again you know think about the name yeah man. i'm a sinner but i'm as righteous as any one of y'all yes the righteous sinner strike again yes people important historical facts underscore things seriously about this underscore the black African, the wretched of the earth, is the only member of the human race who has been brainwashed to think that his ancestors bequeathed him with a curse that has prevented him from attaining aspired goals and life desires. Almost every misfortune he encounters on earth is the fault of some ancestors, who must be bound and cast with the fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. The white people don't have terrible ancestors who have done terrible things. No. It's only the black ancestor. Over the years, the black ancestor has been so vilified by Christians they pay tithes, stay up all night, fast and pray to destroy the African ancestor in the name of Jesus. The black ancestor is so wicked he cursed his own kids. Having cursed his ancestor who gave him life, the black man is roaming around the world like a tortoise without a shell. He has no backbone. Zero identity. Thus no race respects him. He's lynched in Malaysia, incarcerated in Cambodia. He's shot like a dog in the streets of America. In Europe, he cleans the white man's shit. And they spit on him. Why won't they? A man who hates himself and despises his roots deserves no respect whatsoever. John Hawkins was a foremost English slave trader, a thief, and by contemporary moral standards he can as well be called a terrorist. John Hawkins made three trips to West Africa in the 1560s and stole Africans whom he sold to the Spanish in America. 
On returning to England after the first trip, his profit was so handsome that Queen Elizabeth I became interested in directly participating in his next venture, and she provided for that purpose a ship named Jesus. Hawkins left with Jesus to steal some more Africans, and he returned to England with such dividends that Queen Elizabeth made him a knight. Hawkins chose as his coat of arms the representation of an African in chains. Today the generations of Hawkins and Queen Elizabeth I are alive and enjoying life from the proceeds of their evil ancestors. They don't demonize their ancestors despite their active involvement in the greatest evil humanity has ever witnessed. Both individuals sanction rape, kidnapping and mass murder, but their children don't bear ancestral curses like black Africans. You'd be hard-pressed to see a member of the British elite publicly denounce slavery. Isn't it time to emancipate yourself from mental slavery, O ye Negro? If ancestral curse exists, who should suffer from it? The ancestor who kidnapped and raped and murdered and pillaged and stole and enslaved his fellow man, or the man whose freedom was taken from him? Surely, the man who threw pregnant Negro women to sharks at sea because they were too weak, deserves his future generations to suffer, and not the man whose society was so pure they had no prisons to punish offenders. Do these black Africans who will go to church today binding and casting ancestral curses, know that almost all the top British politicians from the 17th century till the 19th century were proud slave merchants? It is on record that 15 Lord Mayors of London, 25 sheriffs, and 38 aldermen of the City of London were shareholders in the Royal Africa Company, RAC, between 1660 to 1690. The RAC alone was responsible for trafficking over 1.5 million Negroes to Britain and twice that number to the Caribbean. David and Alexander Barclays were active participants in the kidnapping and enslavement of millions of black Africans. As was standard practice at the time, the risky and long-term nature of transatlantic slave trading required new banking houses that could offer credits to prospective slave traders for periods of between one and a half to three years. One bank that provided this service was run by Alexander and David Barclay. Their bank still carries their name. The Barclays Bank is also a proud sponsor of the English Premier League that me and you are fanatical fans of Chelsea and Arsenal and Man United today. Their children don't bind and cast their ancestral evil, rather it is the Negro whose ancestors were dehumanized and tortured and enslaved that keeps praying against ancestral curses. The Bank of England was also involved in the slave trade. Sir Richard Neves, who was the director of the bank for 48 years, was also the chairman of the Society of West India Merchants. A group of vile men who stole Africans and made handsome profits by selling them onto farmers who needed them to work in their sugar and tobacco plantations in the West Indies. Today Liverpool Football Club will be playing Tottenham Hotspur in the Barclays Premier League. Pay attention. How many of you who are Liverpool supporters today know that the initial founders of that football club were retired slave traders, whom in 1892, with slavery outlawed, decided to invest their money in a football club that will reap future rewards for their generations to come via a bank called Arthur Haywood and Sons and Company. That bank would be absorbed in turn by the Bank of Liverpool, Martins Bank and Barclays Bank. You watch them and shout in ecstasy when they score. But a pastor somewhere will tell you the reason you're poor is because your ancestors committed evil, hence the reason you experience a luck. And you will believe and start casting and binding rubbish. For your information, Liverpool was a major port for the transatlantic slave trade. Slave ships were often built or repaired in Liverpool.
But a pastor somewhere will tell you the reason you're poor is because your ancestors committed evil, hence the reason you experience a luck. And you will believe and start casting and binding rubbish. For your information, Liverpool was a major port for the transatlantic slave trade. Slave ships were often built or repaired in Liverpool. Nearly one and a half million Africans were forcibly transported across the Atlantic in Liverpool ships. The Liverpool merchant was the first recorded slave ship to sail from Liverpool. She set sail on October 3, 1699, and arrived in Barbados on September 18, 1700 with a cargo of 220 enslaved Africans. Part owner Sir Thomas Johnson is known as the founder of modern Liverpool. Liverpool City wouldn't be what it is today without the trade in black Africans. The personal and civic wealth gained from slaving cemented the foundations for the Liverpool's future growth. The children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the perpetrators of this monstrosity against the black man enjoy heaven here on earth and live in more stable environment. They have managed to stabilize their society and solve their problem and live in relative peace. But the Negro ancestors, the wretched of the earth, who was kidnapped and his freedom forcefully taken away from him, he was sentenced to a plantation for the rest of his life. It is this ancestor in bed many others who is demonized by Christians as having bequeathed their offsprings with curses. This is a historical fact our African brothers and sisters should be aware of. Africans unite, shooting star. So yeah, you, you heard what, you know, the clip is saying. Why do we walk around with the shame and the guilt of our ancestors, seeing that they are the one that was oppressed? Why does the oppressor get to walk away scotch-free and the oppressed is left with the guilt of being oppressed what are we ashamed of the man who does not respect himself does not deserve any respect let me ask you this for the white people that indulge in slavery partake in slavery who abuse and used and oppressed millions of black Africans, does their grandchildren walk around feeling guilty today? Do they walk around feeling that they need to constantly forgive and pray for the sins of their forefathers, their, their ancestors? Do they? I, I, I guess not. I figure not. If, if, if they do, I haven't seen it, right? As I said, a man who does not respect himself don't deserve any respect, you know? Why don't feel ashamed for their ancestry? People who partake in slavery, their grandchildren, their descendants, don't look at themselves as part of that. They just inherited something that was handed down to them, and that's where their guilt ends. So why do we left to hold the bag, the stench? What is it that's so forgiven about the black psyche that we, we, we profoundly have to have this guilt? And we pass it on to our children or our grandchildren through religion and, and constantly talking about forgiveness. What do we need to forgive? What do we need to pray for? What do we need to be atoned for? What did we do? What did you do? How did you get here? How did you get here? What did you do to deserve this? And for the Negroes that has help to elevate themselves above all of this. How do you see all of this? Do you see yourself as above, beyond, 
no need to partake in this foolishness? Or do you feel sorry for those who constantly feel the need to go to church and wash away the sins, sins of their ancestors? Because that's what we're doing when we say we're going to church. That's what we're doing when we say we're asking for forgiveness. This is what we're asking for forgiveness for. For what our ancestors did. For what our ancestors has done. But as a student of history, you and I know that they're the one who should be praying. They're the one who should be asking for our forgiveness. So, you know, with all the praying that blacks have been praying, let's say for the last 400 years, with, with, with this forgiving God, with this ever-loving God, when is it enough? Do, do we ever get a reprieve from praying and asking for forgiveness? We've been praying for our sins for over 400 years. When do we get to say, are we forgiven yet? Can we take a break from asking for forgiveness? Do we get a reprieve? Do we get an atonement for all the sins that we have committed, for all the atrocities that we have committed against white people? Do we get a break? <laughs> The world has witnessed the greatest evil humanity has ever witnessed. And yet still, we're here pretending as if we're the perpetrators. We're, we're the victims of the greatest sin, greatest evil that has ever done to humanity. And you're here asking for forgiveness. You're here praying in your tabernacles, in your churches, in your ministry. Wake up, black people. What is it that you have done? What did you do? So you heard the story about Arkin's first trip. Arkin's was a sailor. He took a trip to, to Africa. His first trip was so successful, selling black Africans to the Spanish here in the Americas. His, his bounty was so plentiful that when Queen Elizabeth heard about him, she wanted to be a part of his next venture. So she ended handed him a couple of ships, one of them named Jesus. So Hawkins went off to Africa with Jesus to collect more Africans to sell to the Spaniards, Spanish, in the Caribbean, in the Americas, and thus forth. The royal crown has gotten richer. Hawkins has gotten richer. And yet still... Their grandchildren and children today are not asking for forgiveness. They're living wealthy without guilt and without remorse for what their ancestors has done. So when do we get a reprieve from praying? When do we get to know if 400 years of prior have been answered? When do we get to know when we have been forgiven? At what point do we hear from white God and white Jesus that you have said enough, you have atoned enough, you have prayed enough, you have begged enough, 
you're forgiven. When? Tell me. When? Yes, we're coming to the end of another great podcast. Uh, I particularly enjoy this one. You know, I'm going to keep inserting um, clips like these wherever I find them. So, you know, be on the lookout for more great content like this. And um, yeah, keep listening to the Righteous Sinner podcast because I'm a sinner, but I'm more righteous than any one of y'all. Yes, thank you.